friends, welcome to Better Than Journaling. I'm Adia. And I'm Aisha. We are two mental health professionals journaling out loud, analyzing our own thoughts and feelings. This is not about us giving you mental health advice. We're just having our own existential crises one episode at a time, so you don't have to. So get comfy and fill your teacup with whatever it is you drink, because it's time for an episode of Better Than Journaling. Good afternoon, Miss Aisha. Good afternoon, Miss Adia. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty well. I'm doing pretty well. It's been a wonderful Sunday so far. How about for you? How are you? I'm pretty good. It was a light, a light day for me. And I have a really clean house because yesterday I spent the whole day doing that. So a light day where I get to enjoy a clean house feels like a good day. That does feel like a good day. Good for you. It rained a ton. Well, I don't know about it. Yeah, a ton overnight because the bucket tub container that I catch rainwater in is once again full and I had just successfully emptied it. Uh, What do you do with rainwater? Oh, yes, 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 yes. I collect this rainwater and then I water my plants that require non-tap water. So they either want rainwater or distilled water and ain't nobody got time for purchasing or trying to create distilled water in my household. And so rainwater is amazing. Um, So I capture rainwater and then I store it in jugs of previously purchased distilled water. Uh, And a friend of mine buys a lot of alkaline water. So once those are empty, she shares them with me and then I just fill them with my rainwater. So I have several of those. And I think that uh, it'll last me through the summertime until the next time it starts raining again uh, to keep those specific plants that require distilled or rainwater alive. I've never asked my plants what kind of water they like. Well, you don't usually have to ask them. They will just tell you. (laughs) Okay. They will tell you. Yeah. If they don't like tap water, they will die. Yeah. I would have assumed it would it would never have occurred to me oh I wonder if this plant is dying because it doesn't like tap water that never would have ever crossed my mind yeah and you know I don't know that that would have ever that would have never occurred to me outside of you know the last couple of years but YouTube helped me to deduce that um what the water that you're feeding your plants or something and if you try lots of other things when the plants are showing you that they're not doing so well like changing the soil or you know the light you know as much light as they're getting or you know the plot all that kind of stuff and you're feeding it you know you're giving it fertilizer and whatever plant food and it's still not doing well then if you change the water and things get better you're like Oh, shit. So yeah, YouTube. The YouTube helped me to deduce that for a couple of my plants, it was definitely, it was the water, it was the tap water. I mean, I just assume that if my plants aren't doing well, it's because they're unmotivated and I'm not going to work harder than the plants. (laughs) (laughs) Is that the most white supremacist thing I have heard you say? I don't know (laughs) what it is. All of those things, all of those things are things I never would have thought of. I would have just been like, oh, I got a, I got a dud of a plant. (laughs) Yeah, I've been there. I've been there. I have a hundred percent been there. And then when the same thing starts to happen over and over again, you're like, okay, wait, I need some damn solutions. I need some answers. I have questions. So then you just stumble on things, you know, and sometimes you accidentally (laughs) happen upon this information and I'm like, oh shit, I wonder and then things get better. So that's why I collect the rainwater and that's what I do with the rainwater. And I have ample, I have ample this year. So I'm, I'm excited about the summer and not having to worry about going to buy water because that just feels bananas to me, buying water. What? So you just set a five gallon bucket I don't know how many gallons this uh, thing is, but it probably is. It probably is five gallons. Okay. All right, I could put some, I could put some buckets outside. You totally should. You have a whole ass yard. Like if I had the house and the yard that you have, my rain gutters would be attached to barrels, 
and the gutters would do all of the work and the water would just drain off of my fucking roof and go into the drain and then go into the barrel I wouldn't even have to do anything else like that's amazing yes exactly what I would do and then I'd put a little spigot on that bitch and then I'd be able to get as much water as I want when I want it and close the spigot and move on oh yeah I literally saw something like that on on TikTok today where this guy had like rerouted his gutters to go into this big rain barrel and then he had three rain barrels next to each other and like when one filled it just started filling the other one yeah I absolutely didn't know why he was collecting rainwater yes ma'am also you know a friend of mine told me about how her grandmother only like washed her hair in rainwater and like that was like really good for her scalp and her hair she said um, I don't know anything about that, but I mean, it could totally be a thing. I mean, my family's from Jamaica and lots of them never left the island and they capture, you know, rainwater and they have tanks. Um, and that's mostly the water that they use in their daily living. But rain happens all of the time there, right? So maybe, if you can, okay. maybe. So if I, if I rerouted my gutter water, I, no, I'm not going to reroute the gutters. I'm probably going to, I don't know. But won't it be dirty like versus just catching it in a bucket just as it falls from the sky if the water's running through the gutters what are you going to use it but what do you you mean like to wash your hair or like what do you use this water for i didn't fucking know i needed rain water until like five minutes ago (laughs) (laughs) so then i guess that's that's my question like how how clean does it need to be you know like i'm gonna be putting it on plants so dirt not a really big deal they're they're already in some dirt so you know like i think it'll be fine and the only thing i do is if if it's uncovered i put these uh mosquito pellets in it so that it kills the mosquito larvae so that they don't hatch inside my house and live with me and use me as a food supply because that's just an inconvenient inconvenient uh, you like know, a aside of, of catching the rainwater and having it just sit there. So it just happened last night. I'll go put one in there later on and things will be fine. Or a corner of one, I should say. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, you know, I might put a bucket outside. you'll keep learning things. I learn things from you. You learn Seriously. things from me. I told you, you're going to be a gardener. I love this. I love this for us. I really want to be. I really want to be. I feel like, I feel like I think I'm going to create a sign and with my name on it, I'm going to go put it in your yard and then I will garden and you'll just wake up and I'll be in your yard and you'll be like, oh, okay. I'll tell people that I grew all that stuff. I really think that gardening is associated with, with, (laughs) I really think that playing in dirt, because it's a thing that kids do. I usually look at what do kids do? Because kids know how to be happy, right? So whatever kids do. Yeah, exactly. They have it figured out. Whatever kids do makes them happy. And and somehow we socialize them out of doing the things that make them happy. And I feel like if we just did the things that kids do, play in the dirt, maybe we'll play in the dirt a little bit more purposefully than they do, but play in the yeah. dirt, laugh, you know, ask questions, show curiosity. Mm-hmm. If we did more yeah. of what kids do, yeah. we might feel better because mm-hmm. kids are usually fairly happy better. unless we do something to make them mm-hmm. unhappy. Yeah, like by creating burdens in them, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Making them get jobs and shit. Yeah. Lord. That's what a concept. I I do Uh, feel feel like gardening would be something that would make me happier. I feel like putting my hands in dirt. I feel like growing things would make me happier. Even like even kids that are playing in the dirt, they're like making mud pies. Like they have some concept that we can do, we can use this to nourish ourselves. Anyway, that is a super unintentional segue into what we're talking about today. So what's been (laughs) on your mind? I would have to agree with you. What has been on my mind, Ms. Aisha, is Mm. this concept of like wellness and yeah, wellness, this idea of wellness and um like what that means for me and how i i hadn't thought about that until when was the first time i thought about wellness you know like when something is in your like in your ether you don't 
like you can't unknow, you can't unsee, you can't unhear, can't unsmell, whatever. So I don't know how long ago it was, but I do feel like it was definitely within the last, I'll call it 10 years, but I'm sure it's probably even more recent than that, that I didn't necessarily, like I definitely didn't grow up with this idea, this conversation of wellness. I, I've never had a conversation of wellness with anybody in my family before, not specifically with the term of wellness. Um it is a big conversation in my workplace, in our workplace. Um, I feel like it's a big conversation on the internet uh, and the social media. But I'm not always sure that I know what wellness means for me. And if it's really my own genuine ideas, beliefs, values, discoveries, or is it something that is prescribed or created out there in the ether, you know? So, yeah, my, I, I'm wondering about that. And I'm wondering about, like, your experiences or ideas around wellness. Like, what is, what's wellness? Like, for you, for those around, for your family, what is wellness? I don't know. Yeah. I mean, like you just said, it's certainly not a conversation I've ever had with my family, with my family of origin. It's not like we sit around talking about how do you feel good? We're more, we more talk about what do you need to do? Not how do you need to feel? As a matter of fact, I can, <laughs> I can point to a handful of times where I was told my feelings didn't matter. Right. And so, yeah. So wellness, like the idea that we would center something like wellness, which my, my brain definition is telling me that it has something to do with how you feel. Um, I just can't imagine that a conversation around wellness would have ever happened in my, in my family of origin household. And I can't even say that I've had a conversation about wellness in my, in my current family. I think that I might do things that I think might enhance our wellness, but we're not having a direct conversation about wellness. What does it mean in this house and what do we need to do to feel that way, to feel well? Yeah. Yeah. So like, even that, let's like, I want to parse that out. I want to dissect that because just because we're, I think we learned a lot of things in our families of origin and not necessarily by direct conversation or lecture. Like for instance, how to walk. Like mm -hmm. I learned how to walk and nobody talked to me, but I presume that no one lectured me on learning how to walk. Right. Like Pretty I sure learned by watching someone else do it. Right. Exactly. So when I think back to things, practices, activities that my mom um, and my dad and my older sister did for wellness. Now that I'm an adult and kind of and, and kind of you know put meaning to them, I think having a clean home was a part of wellness for my mom. Mm -hmm. I think um, maintaining a clean, um, I don't know, well put together household. Um, created a sense of like pride and also a sense of like peace and calm for my mom emotionally, spiritually, because it's, it, it, I, that's how I feel when my home is, when there's any part of my home that's chaotic, like currently I have, hmm, I, I don't know how, I don't know how, but I know that I have a stack of my old tax documents kind of just like sitting, waiting for me mm. to, you know, put them where they actually belong. Um, and then I have, uh, you know, another pile of things that are related to like decor that I want to, you know, reorganize things and change things up in the household or whatever. And so they are visual, you know, um, triggers for me that I'm working on this. It's almost like on my computer, I have lots of pet tabs open of like, you're working on this. Mm -hmm. It's something that you don't want to forget. You want to keep this moving, mm -hmm. but maybe you don't have the time right now, but you're going to get to it. Um, but they create a sense of, they still create some tension, some stress in me. Cause it's like, it's not perfect. It's not tidy. It's not well kept, you know, it's not, uh, it's not clean. So I know that when my spaces are tidy, well put together, uh, they feel, they feel complete. Um, that creates just this, this symphony, this harmony, this peace in me, this, um, additional layer of like, just goodness of happiness, um, so I'm assuming my mom experienced that same thing of like peace, calm, um, with a clean home, you know? 
Yeah. I don't I know and my, my mom has always that. gardened. Yeah. My mom has always gardened. She's always I, had like you need to teach me how to garden. This needs to be a thing. I, I th- this is gonna happen for us. This is gonna happen for us. We're gonna I, do now it. that no, we're I've gonna been do fully it. invited. We've been fully I've been invited. It's going to happen. She's always had fruit trees. She's always had like beautiful flowers. Uh, over the years, she started, you know, dealing with succulents and all kinds of things. So now she has all kinds of flowering and fruit producing uh, plants and trees. Um, and the more space she has, the more she's got going on. So I know gardening is therapy for her. I know that that is a part of her wellness. She spends more and more time there. Um, so yeah, those are those are the things that I've learned from my mom. Music for my dad, music his stereo equipment, so much stereo equipment, Aisha, so much stereo equipment, like top of the line stereo equipment, music, sound, uh, what he hears, what he listens to, what he puts, surrounds himself with. So those are the things, my sister, adventures, you know, traveling, uh, luxury, pampering. Uh, so whether it's style or travel or shopping, um, yeah, those type of things, I think, create wellness for her so yeah those are the things that I think like when I see the people around me those are the things that they've modeled as like signs and outlets or opportunities for creating wellness in in their lives we didn't talk about it but they yeah those are the things that they kept consistent with how about you so my mom definitely was a was a cleaner but it didn't it didn't look like cleaning brought her peace it looked like cleaning was a stress act and a stressful act. And then keeping things clean afterwards also felt stressful, but she definitely was big <laughs> on big on cleaning. I never thought about cleaning as wellness, but I know that when I have a project to work on, um, I can't do it until my space is clean. So there's there must be something about cleaning that, although I've never associated cleaning with wellness, there must be something about cleaning that I think has, uh, that I think it something about it motivates me, something about it calms me so that I can focus. Um, so I think that, that that is definitely a thing. I enjoy cleaning my house. I don't feel like I have a lot of time to do it, but I, I really enjoy being able to clean and then look around and say, this is a space. And when I have a clean space, I notice I go very quickly to gratitude, right? So if my house is messy, it's the same house, whether it's messy or clean. But when it's clean, I, I go straight into a gratitude mindset. For my dad, he he never talked about wellness, but my dad is very active. He's, you know, 71 at this point and he's still playing tennis every, you know, several times a week or whatever. And he's always done that. Mm-hmm. As long, at first it was basketball. When I was really young, they played a lot of basketball. But whether it was basketball or pool or swimming or tennis, I know that that is a stress reliever for him, and it's something that he. That man on. got some strong knees. Okay, seventy. He does this. playing tennis. He he's still playing tennis and coaching sometimes. And I mean, the Christmas lights that are at my house, he was the one up on a ladder. I mean, it's way past the Christmas. They're not up anymore. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, he's like up on ladders, putting stuff up, and he's he's always been really physically active, and I know that that's a thing for him. Uh, my mom is the music person. I know that when she feels really stressed, my mom just kind of constantly needs noise. So she'll be working and she'll have like an iPad next to her that's playing a TV show and then the TV in the background playing music. And I'm like, how do you, how does your brain even, that's yeah, me. How, does your, <laughs> how does your brain even organize itself around the task that you're working on when you have all of these sounds coming in at one time? And, and her I perspective, I think, her perspective, I think, is that if she didn't have all of that stuff going on, that her brain would feel a bit haywire. To me, it feels like it'd be really confusing. Yeah. But for her, it's music. Yeah. When she is when she is like frantically cleaning the house without music, there's a level of anxiety that comes along with that or uh, the appearance of anxiety and stress. And when she's yeah. cleaning and singing at the same time, that's yeah. that's absolutely her happy place. I just put that that together that there are times where um where music is playing and that's very different for her my brother trying to think of what he might do for wellness I don't know I don't I can't picture anything that he necessarily does for wellness but I know that 
all of the traditional wellness things that people talk about, people talk about massages and, you know, sleeping in and all that kind of stuff. I feel better when I'm productive. I feel better when I get something done and I definitely want to be able to rest, but I'm not like, I'm so stressed out. I need a massage. I'm like, I'm so stressed out. I need to organize that. That's what I feel called to do when I'm stressed out Mm -hmm. because, um, because things being in order, things feeling balanced helps me to feel better. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense to me logically. And I think behaviorally, I have recognized where that works for me really well. So for instance, I'll give you an example. As far as like wellness in the workplace, I have noticed that I can be, I feel more focused and productive when I start my day with a list. If I start my day by creating a list of the things that I want to get done by the end of that day, and not even by the end of the day, just throughout the entire day, I feel harmonious. Like everything about me is goal-oriented, goal-directed. I get lots of things done. I may not get all of the things on my list done. I may add new things to the list that I did Mm -hmm. that came up that required my attention um, that I didn't intend to have to, you know, attend to. Um, But I feel more just directed and centered and good about my day. Now, I... (laughs) I will say that 90% of the time I don't create a list. (laughs) So there's something there. Right. Probably bring that up to my therapist. But, (laughs) but you know, when I'm, when I'm working towards that behavior, when I'm working back towards that behavior, what I will do is at the end of the day, if I haven't created a list, I will create a list. I will create a list of things that I did accomplish that day. And that helps me feel like, okay, I know I did get things done. I did do things. I was, I was productive. And then I can notice things about the things that are on that list, you know, whether it's all in the same kind of avenue. Is it, is it people things? Is it administrative things, you know? So I, um, I hear what you're saying about the creating of, you know, direction, of focus, of yeah. um, organization. organization. Yeah. Yeah, I need that structure. And, and I, I do love a, a good list. I do love being able to check things off and I can't have a list span two days unless it's intended to, like I could, I could have a week, a list of things I need to be done in the week. But if I have a list of things that are supposed to be done in the day, then the next day, I can't just add to that list. I have to create a new list. Even if there's things from the previous list that aren't, that aren't done, I have to create a new list because then I feel like I have, I don't know, a fresh start. Because for me, the reason why I say that being productive helps me to feel like there's wellness is because I get a lot of stress from what feels like unfinished business. So finishing things, it's not about like taking everything to the next level or working myself to death. Although I do sometimes do that, but in terms of reducing my stress, reducing my anxiety, I just need things that are unfinished to get finished. And, and so that increases my feeling of, okay, I feel better now because those things that had to be done are done. I don't rest well with with unfinished business at all unfinished business yeah that makes sense so a sense of wellness for you um has you know consistently is tied to completing things finishing things getting things off your list things that are no longer work in progress things that are Mm -hmm. pending right like your pending tab get smaller and smaller that creates a sense of like wellness for you what about even just like planning so there are like some things that are just time sensitive like you're not going to be able to finish that right now but you know what needs to get done do you do you feel a sense of like peace or whatever like if you have like a plan or you like know when something's gonna get done or there's you know there's a timeline for it yeah okay absolutely definitely having a plan it doesn't if it can be done that's great if I know that it's not realistic for it to be done knowing that I have a plan for how it's going to be done and particularly when I have a plan that doesn't rely on a lot of other people so if I have a plan for something (laughs) that's going to take a month but I need other people to do their part then I'm going to keep the same level of maybe not the same level but I'm still going to feel a little bit more unsettled 
because I don't have control mm-hmm. of every aspect of something, you know, but um, yeah. if, if yeah. something is completely within my control and I have a plan for it and I'm satisfied with the plan, then that helps me to feel relaxed and calm and, and well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I'm thinking about like, you know, so I want to pivot to what the world says wellness is, but I feel like maybe we should probably yeah. take a break. So I, I, I want to think about how, what we, what practices we employ or have maintained around creating wellness for ourselves knowingly or unknowingly. And then what the world, what the internet uh, says what our social culture says around like what wellness looks like mm-hmm. or needs to look like in order to be in order to be well in order to be well uh, uh, but yeah what how does that compare how does it match up for you or let's take a break and then come right back all right yeah let's think about that so when we when we were talking before we were thinking about how our practices and ideas around wellness do and do not match up with what the greater zeitgeist uh you know says about mm-hmm. wellness practices are <clears throat> you know what comes to mind is yoga yoga in the <laughs> yes. yoga pants yes and uh what else what, what are, did you what say are, in the yoga other, pants like, oh yoga pants that's a thing like you already know yeah. don't play yeah. I feel like um, dress codes had to be rewritten, rewritten in the workplace to specifically oh. address the misuse of the abuse of, yoga pants. of the yoga pants. <laughs> yeah. I was yeah, fancy because sure. I have on a sweater and uh, shoes with a little bit of a heel, you know, like that. It's, a, it's right. a thing. It's a legging. It's not a yoga pant. Like, okay, well, questionable. So the greater vision of wellness that I've seen and heard about has to do with things like yoga, has to do with things like clean eating, has to do with things like meditation and mindfulness, has to do with slowing, like everything is slower when when wellness is, you know, going on. I remember the first, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure they didn't call it wellness then either, but I remember being in high school PE class and one day we were supposed to be doing some, some meditation or something like that. And I remember the coach saying something like, clear your mind. And I had this little voice in my head going, ha, 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 you can't clear me. Like, <laughs> wow. Yes. Are you like my mind was rebelling fact. against this back then. And so I spent a lot of time thinking that I was just doing it wrong that I was just doing it wrong. Oh, and then I met this woman and, um, and no, so his I was saying, this shit. <laughs> right. I, I, I met this woman when I was working at the crisis house and I can't even remember her name, but I think she moved to Texas at some point that did this, that, that did this meditation that was called, what the hell was it called? Anyway, point is it was very different than any meditation I had ever heard of because it was a very active meditation. Like there was chanting involved point is it didn't tell me to be still and it didn't tell me to clear my mind and it never caught on I never actually started doing it but she would talk about it and I would be like oh so so it's not that I have tried to do meditation wrong it's that that meditation in the traditional sense that people talk about that has to do with or at least that people thought had to do with a clear mind was not it now I know people will say you know you know, try to clear your mind. And if you have a thought that comes in, just notice it and let it go by or, you know, stuff like that. Yeah. But yeah. I had never heard it like that. I thought that I was supposed to not be thinking anything. And my mind was rebellious and refused to do that. And so I just thought Aww. that anything that had to do with wellness had to do with slowing down. And my mind doesn't work that way or my, my wellness doesn't work that way. Certainly I want to sleep. But if I'm not sleeping, I want to be doing something, you know, even if that's reading, it doesn't have to be physically active, but I want to be doing something that feels productive. And I feel better when I'm doing that. And Mm -hmm. that doesn't feel like, like massages. I just fall asleep. And then I feel like I wasted my money. And, you know, (laughs) like, why am I spending money to sleep while somebody touches me? I mean, seriously, like, I can understand if I was in pain. 
and your lymphatic system. It's good for your muscles and your lymphatic system, which is good for you. So it's okay. It's a win-win. Well, I believe you. I'm sure that that's true somehow, but it just feels like it feels unproductive and it feels like a waste of time. If I were in pain and I got a massage and I fell asleep, but when I woke up, I wasn't in pain anymore, then I would feel like, okay, that was worth it. But I'm not in any pain. So it just feels like I'm supposed to be enjoying this experience of a massage. Uh, it's not therapeutic. It's it's yeah. supposed to be this experience and I'm not having that experience. So, and, and I guess that's Fair. another part of wellness to me. I know that wellness probably should have something to do with health. And I haven't, I haven't always thought of it in connection with health as much as I've talked, thought about it in connection with how I physically feel, right? So I can be, I can be considered unhealthy and feel well because nothing hurts at the moment, you know, and I'm, I'm pretty sure that the larger society doesn't see wellness as being unhealthy, but feeling fine. And I'm not saying that that's a good thing that people should strive to be unhealthy as long as they don't feel like shit, but (laughs) (laughs) but I'm like, nothing hurts. I feel fine. So that Mm -hmm. feels good. Yeah, fair. But aren't there, um, and um, it's escaping me right now if they do exist, but these different like pillars or measures of wellness or areas of wellness. So like financial wellness, like mm-hmm. sexual wellness, physical wellness, emotional wellness. I'm sure those are all things. Um, and I'm probably supposed to be some level of expert in all of them, but moral <laughs> story. At least a couple of them. <laughs> I'm pretty sure you get fair, paid to fair, fair. one or two of those. Not in this podcast, though, <laughs> I will say. Um, if I was supposed to be thinking about or knowing these things in those spaces, I would. But that part of my brain gets to take a break right now. Um, yeah. So in thinking about those different, you know, areas of wellness, I do, I do wonder about even the measures of, of wellness, right? right? Like, they, it benefits you for them to be self-identified, right? Because we're all individuals and we all have individual needs. And also there still remains a certain rubric, whether it's written or unwritten, it's, there's a rubric out there around like whether or not you're healthy or doing well or where you're not healthy or not doing well. But then there's still within that your own individual experience of that wellness, right? right? So someone like you were just kind of in, uh, alluding to or indicating is like that physical wellness um, on, on other outside measures, some might be saying you are not physically healthy and you are walking a dangerous tightrope, ma'am. And, and you might simultaneously be saying like, I feel great, you know? And uh, this is not a concern for me currently. So thanks, but no thanks for uh, whatever you're selling, you know? Um, same thing financially. People that have atrocious credit scores um, are still living their lives and right. some incredibly happy and, and fine, you know, moving in the world. And those who have fantastic credit scores, terribly sad <laughs> and, you know, desperate and lonely and whatever else may be going on so like no one area of wellness is a predictor I think of like happiness or joy but um and your individual experience of whatever level of wellness that you've attained or achieved or maintained doesn't necessarily predict happiness and I feel like what's getting portrayed in the world on the internet and the media these days is that wellness is like synonymous with happiness And so you need to be trying to achieve this type of wellness in this specific way, and then you'll be happy. Right. And I just, I don't, I I don't, I don't vibe with that. I'm not going to say that I don't still find myself trying to pursue it. Um, I do sometimes. And then I'm like, wait, like, hold on, wait a minute, you know? Um, and I may have been far down the rabbit hole of in, uh, in pursuit of that wellness, that level of wellness, like or, super you know, achieving that hole. kind of, yes. now, seriously. To achieve that milestone. And then also like, and I'm also still really unhappy. So I don't know that this is for me. Um, but yeah, I feel like, you know, yoga and 
a certain level of like income or social status or professional, you know, level of professional development um, or career success um, or, you know, stamps in my passport or, you know, property ownership or living in a certain zip code or whatever, you know, body image, all of those things kind of create a ranking or a picture of like wellness. Um, but they don't, it doesn't, it doesn't automatically create happiness because I think there needs to be a more introspective, intentional development of what wellness, of, of a view of a picture of a value for wellness for each person. Mm-hmm. I just think, I just think about wellness in terms of like what actually feels good. So we have all yeah. of these messages about what is good, what actually feels yeah. good. So for some people, yoga does equate to wellness because that feels good to them. It doesn't feel good to me. Like being in water feels good to me, you know? So if I had to, if I start thinking about what feels good to me, getting enough sleep feels good to me. I would say that eating a big comfort meal, uh, I want to say that it feels good, but it actually doesn't necessarily feel good. I usually feel worse after eating a big comfort meal. Yeah, you know, not wild. Yeah. But yeah. if I ate something healthy in that moment, I'm not as happy that I'm eating it, but I feel better afterwards than I do after yeah. I eat a big comfort meal that, mm-hmm. I, that feels good. Uh, feeling connected to the people around me, feeling like mm-hmm. I have said what I need to say to the people that I need to say it to. That feels good to me. Mm-hmm. Having a good cry feels good to me yelling if that's mm-hmm. what I need to do feels good to me and I don't I don't think that that is the same for for everybody you know sometimes what my body needs to do is be still and sometimes what my body needs to do is move sometimes what my body needs to do is work sometimes what my brain needs is to is to be creative you know and that just doesn't feel like the standard because all of all of the standards have to do with slowing down and being still. And I tend to feel better when mm-hmm. I speed up. When you speed up, when you're moving. And also like goal-directed. Like goal-directed mm-hmm. behavior seems like it feels really good, really um, restorative, <clears throat> I think, for you. But there's a, yeah, there's, a, think... there's a line, though. There's a line. There's like goal-directed yeah. and productive. And then there's like too much. You know, there, there's times where you're working because working feels good. And then, and then the, and then you tip over a line and we probably talked about this in a podcast before, maybe it was good money or something like that. There's, there's a line that, that you can tip over where you pass working because it feels, feels good to working because it serves something else or some other purpose or some other power. Yeah. We're talking about ambition and driven, I think. Yes. Might have been the conversation. Yeah. Yeah. Go check that episode out if you haven't listened to it yet. It's a a good one. It'll get you thinking. Um, No, I think you're right. But I think that that's where those other areas, those other aspects of wellness come into play. That you can't be putting all of your eggs or banking off of one area of wellness, right? Like you, you have to be feeding those other areas of your life. If you're not paying attention to your financial wellness, if you're not paying attention to your, you know, your social, your relational kind of like wellness, you're not paying attention to your physical wellness, if all of those things are not getting some level of your attention and your energy, you're not necessarily going to feel at your best, you know, but if you have a plan, if you have a methodology, if you have an intention around all of them, no matter how, you know, strict, rigid, uh, you know, time sensitive they are, I think you feel good. I think they keep you focused inward. You know, they, keep you paying attention to what you're doing, what choices you're making, and they keep moving you, you know, in a certain direction. And you can change your mind as much as you need to, but I do think that um, there's a level of accountability to self and where it is that you want to be and whether or not you're actually, like, you're constantly evaluating, like, if you're feeling well, if you are happy. Right. If things are moving in the direction you want them to be. Yeah. Right. You know? There's that, uh, if you have a goal, if you have an idea of where it is that you want to go, that's something that you can constantly kind of, you can regularly evaluate, you know, am I there yet? There's that other question of like, so we talk about like, what is wellness? It's like, how do I know that I'm well? 
is on the mm-hmm. other side of it, right? It's like, we have all these ideas and opportunities for creating wellness. Like, how do we know once we've achieved that, how do we know when we're there? You know, like I know hmm. regularly, we talked, we started today talking about like gardening and plants and I know that I feel well when I spend time with my plants, um, mm-hmm. taking care of something that is growing and developing when I notice cha- positive change. Even if I notice like negative change, I'm like, ooh, my brain gets to thinking about how I'm going to address this and what might be creating the problem. I start problem solving. I start, you know, deducing. I'm, I'm, I'm deducing. I'm investigating. I'm going to figure, I'm going to get to the bottom of it. Now I have some more experience. I have different things that I can assess for. You know, my mind gets to going and I start you don't think your plants are just being lazy and not willing to not motivate it to grow? No, not anymore. <laughs> I 100% know that it's, it's me. It's definitely me. And I could be doing yeah. something different or better uh, that would not be killing these things. I probably would be living just fine in nature had I not brought them inside my home and insisted right, that right, they live right. with me. Yeah, right. I abducted them and, and said, this is where you live Possibly now. sometimes yeah. against their will. Yeah, 100%. And this could be hell for you. And also, this is still where you live. Right. So there's that. Um, So but plant, you know, dealing with plants, nurturing them, that's a place where I 100 percent feel good. Um, Like taking care of my home, my space, whether it's like woodworking, building something with my hands. Oh, amazing. Apparently, it's just like doing things with my hands are really amazing for me. So plants, uh, playing with power tools and wood, um, cooking, those, those are all spaces where I feel um, restored and challenged and creative. Also working out, like intentionally working out for the sake of like working out for my own fitness, wellness, yeah, that ain't strengthening. One for me. <laughs> <laughs> that ain't well, one for me. That is, but the other stuff that, that you're talking about, the other stuff that you're talking about feels like, is what I would say. yes, that's, yeah. that's it. That when I accomplish something, when I set a goal and I accomplish it, it doesn't necessarily matter what it is. If I set a goal to grow something and it grows, if I set a goal to uh, cook something and it tastes good, if I set a goal to like put together a piece of Ikea furniture and then I finish it, that feels good to me. That feels like wellness to me, being able to complete something that I start, especially if it was challenging, especially if it was new to me. Yeah, and that's how I feel about the physical fitness because I don't necessarily enjoy it in in the during the process like no it's hard and I'm sweaty oh, and I'm out of breath and I oftentimes don't think I can do it and I hate it and I'm like this is hard and stupid and then I remind myself this is time limited it will be it's hard done and stupid it, yes it's hard and it's stupid and I don't want to I can't in fact and then I remind myself it doesn't have to be perfect and so the fitness piece, and this is maybe a whole nother conversation, but the physical fitness piece is a mind game. It's totally a mind fuck. It's about what I tell myself I'm capable of doing and what I should be doing um, in the moment. And when I allow myself to be exactly where I'm at and capable of what I'm capable of and to push through what I can push through and hit a threshold and be okay and proud of that threshold, it's great. When I tell myself I'm supposed to be somewhere else, it's really hard and uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. Um, So I'm in this place now where I'm allowing myself to be exactly where I am and then excited and proud of the growth and the progress that I make. And then really prideful around having done something that was hard for me just a few minutes ago. And I thought I would need to tap out and I survived it and I pushed myself and I'm very proud of myself and happy about it. So that's, that's just that part. I'm not happy in the midst of it. Usually I am very, <laughs> I definitely feel accomplished after a workout, but I don't feel good during it. Very rarely do I feel like this feels so good. I'm so happy. I'm doing this. It's just afterwards. Mm-hmm. And then afterwards I'm like, I could totally do that again until it's time to do it again. But in the middle yeah. of it, I just have not found a workout that in the middle of it, I like the next thing is I don't know if this is like a chicken or the egg thing, but when I am well, you asked, you know, how do you know when you're well? When I am well, I feel very connected to the people that matter to me. And I don't know if I am better at connecting to people because I'm well 
or if I'm well because I'm connected. So I'm not sure which comes first. But mm. um, when my relationships feel solid, the ones that matter to me the most, when those feel solid, I feel really good. But I don't know if they got solid because I was feeling really good or not. That's a really, that's a really interesting kind of uh, idea and, and question even is, is it the chicken or the egg? Are my relationships feeling solid because I am well, or am I feeling well because my relationships are solid? You know, you know, maybe it's neither. Maybe it's just. Uh, you said maybe it's neither. I was going to say maybe thing. it's both. <laughs> I'm just wondering if there's another, you know, you know, piece to it where it's like, I'm just, I don't know that I'm just show, I, I'm showing up. I don't, I don't necessarily have to be well to show up in my relationships, right? Like sometimes you show up in your relationship and you're like not at your best, you know, and you're, you're vulnerable. You're some level of broken or working towards something. And they show up in a way that is really loving, supportive, wholesome, yeah. genuine, whatever, consistent, whatever it is that you need. And that is what you needed. And that, you know, kind of, fills a gap or whatever and gets you to where you need to go. And then you get to enjoy and appreciate that relationship even more, yeah. you know? So, yeah. So it seems like so one of the people that's in the relationship, relationship has to be, yeah, one of the people in the relationship has to be well, because if I'm showing up unwell and you're also showing up unwell, it seems like we can't give each other what we both need. But if I'm showing up unwell and you're already well, I imagine that I could get more well because of your wellness, like the mirror neurons Maybe. Sometimes, of wellness. Like, like a huge <laughs> mirror, mirror neurons of wellness. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> I appreciate, I just appreciate being like seen and feeling validated. There is something in, deep in me that needs to not feel like I'm crazy or that I'm making right. something more than what it is or that it doesn't exist. That says right. a lot about, you know, something we're not going to go there but what right. I will say that even if like my trusted most thought after people are not in themselves doing well and and I'm not doing well if we're having a similar experience if we're struggling in the same area maybe even in the same way there's some level of like validation like yeah bitch like that is this is yeah. fucked up you know what I mean there are some ways where you and I have nice struggle in the place. same spaces yeah. and that is meaningful, powerful, and um, really helpful to be seen in a way that others who are not experiencing the same thing or having the same struggle would not be able to validate. Um, but there has so, to be, so yeah. yeah, I agree with you, but one of us, there has to be some, I can, I can agree that maybe we don't, one of us doesn't have to be completely well, but we have to be able to be in relationship and in partnership so that we're not so unwell that we're so deep into ourselves that we can't see each other. Like we have to be able to share this experience, yeah. which means yeah. that we have to be able to still, <clears throat> to still see each other, which I can't do when I'm not well or, or when I'm really, really not well. You know, imagine you come to me and be like, oh my gosh, work is so hard. And I'm like, oh my gosh, let me tell you how hard my work is. You know, so we're sharing the experience, but we're not really sharing the experience. But, yeah. but if you can come to me and I can hear you out and I can say, I can relate to that because of, and you can hear me, then there's some level of, some level of connection that comes from the fact that we are still, we still remember what's important here and it's each other, you know? Oh yeah. I mean, you don't have a personality disorder. So like you <laughs> have empathy for me and you can attune to my emotions and my experiences that are separate from your own. So there's, there's Sometimes. that. Sometimes. Sometimes. And when I'm, when I'm really not well, not so much. I jotted down a couple <laughs> of notes. Uh, when I talked about earlier, when I talked about paying attention to what kids are doing because kids know how to make themselves feel good. Mm. I jotted down a couple of notes of things that I think that kids do that allow them to feel well, um, but then we kind of socialize them potentially out of it. So the first one is yeah. rhythmic movement. I think kids move their bodies to do, to regulate. Um, 
but you know, dancing is is unacceptable in the classroom and then in the workplace. Uh, sleeping when they need to, when they get tired, yeah. you know, they might fight it for a yeah. minute, but they sleep. Uh, they cry whenever they feel called to do so. And I think that that yeah. would be, I would, I would be served by crying whenever I felt called to do so. Um, mm-hmm. They play. They are curious and they do some learning. They're willing and interested in learning mm-hmm. and they don't have any shame about what they don't know. Yeah. They're just yeah. happy to learn new things. Um, and then, you know, back to gardening, they play in the dirt. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like there's something about um, childhood also, though, that um, that encourages them to show up that way, right? So, yes, kids playing dirt, um, gardening. Until the they're, we have socialized that to make that normal and adult. To make that what? make sense, yeah. I, I was going to, yeah. you said there's something about childhood that has us encourage that. But then we abruptly stop encouraging it when we decide it's no yeah. longer acceptable. That's what I like mean. Like really abruptly. I feel like there's a certain, yes, because I feel like there's a certain level of, well, don't forget, there's adolescence where they become entire shitheads. And <laughs> so they tell everyone, I'm an adult and I don't need your help anymore. Back off mm-hmm. me. Because up until then, every adult in their life takes this stance that they are a teacher, a mentor, some level of responsibility for them and want to teach them things, give them advice, guidance, direct them, shape them, steer them away from the oogie boogie, whatever that might be out there that could befall them, you know, besiege their happiness, right? So there's a lot of coaching and encouraging their curiosity and their desire to learn because people are, everyone's a teacher. Everyone's mm-hmm. creating the scaffolding for you to continue to learn, encouraging you to learn and explore. You get older, there's like this, I don't know, proprietary information and people are not like so enthused Seriously. to help you learn or help you grow, right? Like you're on your own. This is your job. You better Google that, you know, um, every man or woman for themselves. So I think uh, a person, every person for themselves. Yeah, I think... I think there's some societal shifts that happen, you know, between childhood and, you know, maybe even adolescence or adulthood that change the way that we even interact with our own humanity, our own nature of, of being the way that we are, that, that shed that skin of, of childhood, um, that rhythmic dancing, like you said, the classroom kind of structures that out of them, mm-hmm. right? Like it may be there in kindergarten, maybe even in first grade and PE may be a place where it's allowed, but it becomes very structured. It's not about listening to your body or what your body needs. It's like, I will create a space and an outlet and a time and a place for this behavior, this practice. Um, And that's where you get to do this and not, not anywhere else. Yeah. Two other, two other things came to mind, something having to do with sucking or putting things in your mouth or using Mm -hmm. your mouth. Uh, to do things. The other thing is the the seeking of sensory experiences that feel good to you. So whether it's that you have, or or also like comfort objects, right? So whether it's that you have a little blanket that you rub a part of, mm-hmm. or you touch everything because you're curious about the environments, and then you find yourself, um, you know, drawn towards a certain feel, or you pull the blanket over your head, or you turn all the lights on, or whatever, like kids are going to find themselves drawn to sensory experiences that feel comforting to them. And it doesn't matter to them until we tell them that it should, whether or not that sensory experience is something that they should be exploring, right? So if they're licking the walls, we're going to tell them that we don't want them licking the walls, but there's something about that that is giving them some level of comfort or teaching them something. And I'm not saying everybody should go out and let their kids lick the walls, but point is, their curiosity drives them to explore their environment. And I don't know that we feel comfortable exploring our environment to learn and to find yeah. a part of our environment that feels the best to us the way that yeah, kids do. Yeah, that same, yeah, that same level of curiosity. There's almost like this, I don't know. I just feel like we, I, I keep going back to adolescence. There's some, at some point we decide we know. We know mm-hmm. enough. We know and we discount these other opportunities for input 
uh, we're not as curious. Our curiosity kind of like dies off. Um, mm-hmm. We shed the curiosity, like it's only directed into certain places, spaces, relationships, whatever. Like there's just not that same level of curiosity. I don't know. Mm-hmm. It's only fed or reinforced in a certain way <clears throat> as well. You know, you're prescribed a certain reading list. You're allowed to go play. Like we've, we've made available for your access, these activities, these resources, these sports and clubs and extracurriculars are available to you. Mm-hmm. These are within your parents' financial reach. Mm-hmm. These are available in this community, you know. So you're the college that you want to go to is expecting you to have this. It's very prescribed, you know. It becomes really right. narrow. So yeah, wellness, wellness. Your picture of wellness is part of what you grew up with, a part of part of what you see that's available to you in the world around you, your community, your culture, whatever. Um, and then eventually you you evolve, hopefully, and you realize what you actually need hopefully. to be your optimal self. Huh? I said hopefully. Hopefully, hopefully. you evolve. Yeah. But you said, you know, you find out what you need to be your optimal self. I feel like I'm kind of old and I'm just now, I'm just now understanding that wellness doesn't have to look a certain way. I'm just yeah. now at a place in the last few years where I'm like, no, for me, it doesn't look like a massage. For me, it looks like spring cleaning, you know? Yeah. And, but everybody tells you when, when you're tired or whatever, that you should rest, that that's the solution. And it's not necessarily the solution for me. And I don't know, I mean, maybe everybody else has already figured this out and I'm just new to this understanding, but I definitely want to be at a place where I can ask my body what would feel good to you right now. And then that I would call that thing that feels good to my body wellness. Um, unless it's like fuckery. Like not everything that feels good is good for you. But but for the most part, moderation. in the healthy ways. Moderation. <laughs> Absolutely. In the healthy ways, what are the what are the things that are good for me that help me to feel good? Yeah. And that yep. that looks different for different people. Mm-hmm. And we should be invited to explore that along the way in our lives. That should be a part yeah. of the, that should be a part of curriculum. And someone right. should be monitoring that. That should be a part of your report card. That actually matters. Right. Mm. Right. That feels like something that we should be asking the people about. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. All right. What's your question? Yeah, my question for the people. I feel like, yeah, today, you know, my question for you, you wonderful individuals out there is, uh, how do you know that you are well? You know, by which methods, areas of domains of life and functioning do you measure your own wellness? And are those things that you have... um, over a period of time in your own development identified as these are functions of my wellness or these things that you were, you know, born into through your family of origin or these things that society has prescribed for you. So how do you know when you are well? How about you, Miss Aisha? What do you want to ask the people or leave them with? I really have this, this childhood stuff stuck in my head right now. So I guess I'm going to ask, what did you do to soothe yourself when you were little? What did you do to help yourself feel better when you were little? And is there some functional version of that that you could do now uh, that would contribute to your overall sense of wellness? So if you Mm -hmm. used to make mud pies in the dirt, maybe gardening would contribute to your wellness. If you used to have big tantrums, maybe you need to give yourself more space to cry, right? So like, what what are the things that made you feel better as a child? And is there some functional adult way that you can do that now? And for me, I think, I think mine is gonna be about playing in the dirt. I'm, I'm going to figure out how to be a gardener. 
I'm going to grow I'm something. I'm super excited about this. I am excited about this. It's going to start soon because this is the season you'll be putting shit in the dirt right now. These are the moments. Today's the first day of spring. It's my sister's birthday. Happy birthday, my sister. Happy Share birthday, dear sister. I didn't, I didn't know today was the first day of spring. What's today? March 20th. Okay, yeah. March 20th, yeah. Right. Yeah. All right, Miss Aisha. You have a wonderful evening. And I will uh, look forward to the next time that we meet. You too. Go do something that improves your wellness. Thank you. All right. Take care, lady. Hey, friends. Now you know that was better than journaling. If you like this, give us a five-star review and share us with the rest of your friends.